Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Podcast, everyone. The podcast where we discuss all the disgusting things we love in the horror world. And to help us discuss the disgusting, you know her as lead movie critic for Bloody Disgusting, horror movie fanatic and journalist Megan Navarro. Hey, Megan. Hello. And you know her from her YouTube channel and website, Real Queen of Horror, and her infinite love for the genre, Zena Dixon. Hey, Zena. Hey. And I'm John. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday when the episode drops, we hope your week's been filled with all the best kinds of horror. And if not, maybe we can help. We're breaking down the... We're breaking from the usual episode format for another deep dive into Brandon Cronenberg's Infinity Pool. That's right. It's deep dive time, baby. Fair warning. During this deep dive into Infinity Pool, there will be nothing but spoilers from here on out. And there's so many spoilers. You cannot watch this trailer and think, oh, I got this. If you haven't seen Infinity Pool, please stop listening now and go watch it. As of recording this, it is available on VO Day. VO Day? Premium VO Day. <laughs> premium? Which one's premium? Premium, like PVOD, like v, it's basically like a new release price versus like you you go rent something. Oh, it's, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was like, oh, God, is there another thing I need to subscribe to just so I can rent a movie? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, it's just I, I like that distinct distinction so people don't get sticker shocked. Sure, so they look at it, it's like, oh, 20 bucks to rent. Yeah, versus, yeah, like a five-buck rental. Yeah, it's a movie ticket, basically. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, going into this blind is really the only way to get the most out of this film. Not unlike a barbarian for completely different reasons. Yeah. This will be the last spoiler warning we give this episode. If you're still listening, it's all on you. (laughs) Don't get mad at us for spoiling it. I've literally said spoilers like six times. So in case you're like doing the dishes, you're like you're in your car, the kids are asking for stuff, you're not paying attention right now, you haven't had a chance to press stop. First of all, while you're listening to this infinity pool with kids in the car, you shouldn't. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, You should you should stop. Um But listen later, when the kids don't hear it. Well, it yeah, could, there's a couple of scenes we're going to talk about. But it could kind of build character. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, look who I'm talking to about, like, well, maybe kids shouldn't watch this as six-year-old Xena is sitting in front row. We never even get to Infinity Pool. We're just going to talk about the birds and the bees. Yeah. Okay, slow countdown time. Five, four, three, two, one. Here we go. All spoilers from here on out. And the reins are officially in Megan's hand. So, Megan, go ahead. What 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 do we got in store for us this episode? My tangent's about now wanting cereal because it's like, oops, all spoilers. Like, oops, all berry. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's where we're going. Um, So, quick, <laughs> quick setup for Infinity Pool. This released at the tail end of January in theaters. And it is uh, Brandon Cronenberg's latest. He directed um, Antiviral, and that was in 2012, and then Possessor in 2020. So this is his latest. Uh, This one follows a married couple, James and M. Foster. They are enjoying an all-inclusive beach vacation in uh, an otherwise kind of dangerous country, this island Mm -hmm. fictional uh, island of Latolka. Um, and then, you know, they meet up with another couple. Stuff goes real wrong because it always does. Um, (laughs) And a fatal accident basically exposes the resort's, not just the resort, the Latolka's perverse subculture of hedonistic tourism, reckless violence, and surreal horrors. I feel like that's a pretty Mm -hmm. good uh, kind of setup. Um, Mm -hmm. What I wanted to start by asking 
what your expectations were when you hear Infinity Pool. And I think the, the even the marketing was a little bit mysterious. And it's a Brandon Cronenberg movie. So what did you kind of think you were getting into? I thought it was going to be body horror. Like I was expecting that, you know. I like the fact that the marketing was like a mystery. I love the posters, like all like the different kinds. I avoided trailers, teasers, and which we spoke about that before. So I went in super positive about it. I was really excited because you already know just because you're on vacation, you know, things don't just not happen. That's terrible. So, you know, I was expecting some horrible, horrible things. So I went in excited, ready to check this out. I, um, yeah, I, yeah. Okay. I'll leave it at that. That's, that's going too far. Okay. Well, you're, there's no too far. This is a all, oops, all spoiler episode. Yeah, so. yeah it's, it's more about how I feel about it. It's just like I went in super excited, uh, so pumped, and then I kind of left. Like, what is I'd help? You know, we will circle back well, around okay. to it um, almost immediately after. But I, I want to hear what John's expectations were first. You got it. None. It was a lot like when I, w- I went to see X last year, where it was literally my wife and I went out to dinner and we're like, oh, dry January mm-hmm. sort of thing. Like I wasn't, we we're going to stay out drinking until um, the kids went to bed or whatever. Like, oh, okay, let's see a movie. And the only thing in the theater that either of us sounded remotely interested in was Infinity Pool. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, it's got Alexander Skarsgård. It's got Mia Goth. It's Brandon Cronenberg film. It's probably going to be a little bit messed up. Sure. Let's give it a shot. Like, sounds like fun. And what I got, what I got was a lot. Uh, Yeah. I I don't think there's any way for me to describe it just in like a few sentences. I think it just is something we'll slowly unravel as we talk about this movie. Uh, Yeah, without spoilers, it was more than I expected in a very good way. So back to Xena. Did 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 it live up to those expectations for you? Uh it did not. Uh not that I didn't enjoy it. It's just more of I definitely have to rewatch it mm-hmm. because there was a lot that was going on, you know, psychedelic orgies and nipples and cheeks and every single time a butt cheek popped up, I'm like, "Cheeks." I don't know. It's a fun <laughs> game I like to play. <laughs> You guys don't like to play that game. Wait, 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 wait. Do you play this across all movies where you just chant just cheeks just or Cronenberg? <laughs> no. How do you watch it? How do you watch an eighties action movie? It's just you yelling cheeks no. through like the middle of every movie. So what I'm hearing from this is we definitely have to have who who wants to put us up? Somebody hire us, or not even hire, just invite us to come to a Brandon Cronenberg uh, triple feature where Zena just yells cheeks throughout. It's like riff tracks, it's but with bloody disgusting you know, podcast. <laughs> you always get surprised with the amount of times you yell out cheeks, but no, um, I. It's like I'm not saying I didn't like it. It's just more of I. I definitely just again just need to rewatch it because I think some stuff flew over my head because there were some lines that's like, oh wow, that's really profound, you know. But then just because everything that we've been through, you know, with the movie, I, you know, I just kind of felt a little bit lost. We're working on setting up a digital shop at Bloody Disgusting right now for the podcast, and I kind of feel like we're gonna need a shirt that says "Cheeks" on it. <laughs> just- Cheeks exclamation point. I I would like to formally request a mug that says cheeks so that Zena can like just drink from this cheeks mug throughout podcast recording. 
Yeah. <laughs> At first, maybe I was shaped think, like a butt. Maybe we can. <laughs> I was gonna say maybe we could have you know that uh, it's been a meme that's been going around with Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio pointing and you oh, know pointing we just have screen. <laughs> cheeks cheeks. <laughs> There's a cheek. <laughs> Him pointing, holding the beer. Yeah. <laughs> there, there. In which we didn't know that we were setting out this episode establishing a bloody disgusting podcast bingo game for Brandon Cronenberg <laughs> movies. Uh, Cheeks, yeah, I, yes, that's definitely on that bingo card. I love that. Um, so I wanted to also kind of touch on the tone because one thing that I didn't anticipate was the sense of humor. Uh, mm -hmm. It is a very mm -hmm. funny movie. So I didn't know if I was alone in that or if that was something that caught you off guard as well. Um, I still crack up, you know, revisiting it for this episode. Mia Goth, when she gets yeah. introduced, yeah. she um, immediately worms her way. It's which uh, James Foster, her character is Gabby. She's her and her husband are staying at this resort. And uh, she's like, I'm a fan of your novel because Alexander Skarsgård's character, James, is a aspiring novelist. He's published one book um, that did not really make much of a blip. So mm -hmm. he's immediately because his wife's father is a publisher. Yes. So yeah. he's he's immediately like very excited to have met his single fan in the his universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, you know, they she invites him to out to dinner to this Chinese restaurant that just the scene prior he had immediately shot down when his wife suggested yeah. it. Um, so uh. that's like this this kind of very subtle humor that grows and her whole bit where she's showing her acting prowess at the dinner table. Like, I'm a pro at failing. I'm really yeah. good at failing. Like, I cannot live without whatever product it is, you know. she. So, yeah, it's very funny. What did you think about the tone or the humor? I, I thought things like that were so, um, like, they're funny, and, but they're also funny, like, for married people. Like, if it, that that concept made so much sense to me, like, let's go get Chinese. And, like, we're in this beautiful, well, I'm not going to get Chinese here. Like, are you ridiculous? And then, <laughs> oh, the, and this is a fan of mine. And she suggested Chinese. That sounds like a good idea. Like, I want to be... You know, like all of a sudden, like we're we're gonna overrule what I previously said. Oh no, no, I totally want Ch Chinese. Sounded like a good idea, but it's really like, no, this person likes me, and <laughs> like it was just like for totally selfish reasons. And there's a really funny part later that I laughed really hard at that I don't think a lot of people find is nearly as amusing, but we'll get to later. So yeah, there's definitely some parts where I was like, that was a lot funnier than I was expecting for this. Almost like you're surprised by a laugh that comes out, yeah. like looking around, like, "Oh, was I supposed to? Was I supposed to laugh at that? No, probably, yeah, we'll yeah." That's how I felt as well. Like I wasn't too sure if I was supposed to laugh, but then again, I feel like I laugh at stuff that's like inappropriate all the time. <laughs> so I just thought it was a thing um, with that. But Mia Goth, her performance, like she's obviously like a great, really great actress. Um, all of the cast did a great job, but her voice really makes me laugh when, especially when she starts screaming. When she starts to like screaming out James's huh. name, I was howling just because like she was like stretching it out and like really trying to get to him. Like that's how you like poke fun at people. And then she just randomly just has a gun that she's just shooting. And everybody else is just like they're used to it. Like no one else is startled by her behavior. I mean, everybody clearly has something that's going on. But 
but yeah, I think that it's a, uh, I thought that it's like a funny movie. I had a good time with that. So unexpectedly funny. Uh, I did not anticipate that because, you know, Possessor is not funny. Um, antiviral? No, not really. Um, so this one mm-hmm. I feel like is definitely intentionally funny. Uh, I also wanted to talk about the resort setting um, because it is fictional. There is no Latolka uh, in the way that he kind of goes about making this feel like a place that is real mm-hmm. yet clearly not real. Um, the mm-hmm. masks, the rainy season ritual, yeah. uh, clearly the entire thing that kind of kickstarts all of it in something that wasn't wholly clear in the marketing, um, which is not a bad thing. Um, but that these rich people can afford to make crimes or like do crimes because they can afford to just pay the authorities to create a clone of themselves and that clone will get sentenced to death. Uh, so you're watching a version of yourself or you essentially die. Um, and the way that he does that is also very weird. So I was curious what your reads were on the town or the the island itself um the customs the the foreign language you know on the exteriors of the the police building and whatnot and how that kind of affected the story or the tone of of the you know the the genre elements Zena. oh okay so <laughs> uh well first I'll, i guess i'll just start like as far as it goes with the, with the resort with the resort I, with the resort it looked very believable it looked gorgeous i mean i would want a vacation there you know i kind of felt like in a way that he was um the director you know he was poking fun at <laughs> when we like go on vacation and, and stuff like that so i kind of like like that part with it also i was so like it took a turn obviously i i feel like i kind of went in blonde in a way which, you know, we all did what? So I didn't know that it was going to lead up to that point where, you know, with him, when we showed, when we were able to see like the jail, it just looked gritty. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, I've never, I've never really seen that before. Cause normally when I do like travel, I usually just stay in like the touristy like types of spots. Like I don't like venture out too far. So it looked like it was gritty and it looked like you know, that they were very, very, like a very strict country. And I know like even with Mia Goth's uh, character, this is kind of like jumping back. She kind of mentioned something like that, you know, and I wasn't really like thinking too much into it. I just thought that maybe she was just trying to like scare them or just get them to do something, you know, type of thing. But clearly she was right about that. So, but then seeing how um, like their technology, like clearly is super advanced, you know? So it just makes me wonder too, like, Besides from like, because they're getting money from tourists, right? So their money is going towards, you know, like that, um, the science part. You get what I'm saying? So, or outside, clearly not the, yeah, not the jail. Because you can see that just like the surrounding area, which I thought was so weird that they even wanted to leave the resort. You know, like, I don't know, but that's just jumping around. Sorry about that. But yeah, that's, that's where my head was at with that. Yeah. I mean, I had just watched uh, White Lotus season two before seeing this so i was like okay it's a destination villa like you're on site granted that was in like sicily i think um but it it felt very uh you know i i don't know what it is anymore but i remember years and years ago like we had some friends that went to like sandals jamaica Mm -hmm. and they're like no you don't really leave the resort like it's not it's not 
great. Like they're not necessarily happy that tourists are there, or that Sandals is there. And like Sandals Bahamas was kind of the same way, like where my wife and I went, where like you leave the resort and you're like, it's not touristy. It's mm-hmm. not a place where you just want to go. It's just like markets. It's, yeah. it's you, you know, so it felt very realistic in this interesting kind of amalgam of you're in this paradise, but it's paradise through the eyes of a tourist because we like a view, mm. you know, because they're going to put a four star restaurant on this spot. It has nothing to do with the poverty of the country or anything else. We just think it's pretty. And I loved, I think the, the one of the parts that I love the most about this movie is how understated the tech actually is. That when you're first being described this with Alexander Skarsgård's character by the police detective, the police detective is just flying through this stuff. He's saying, da 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 and then, yes, we have to do this, and it'll be a fine, I have to be fine, and normally it's death, and, 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 and he goes through all this, and you're sitting there kind of with Alexander Skarsgård like, wait, what's he asking? What's he asking me to sign? Yeah. Like, I don't exactly get what I'm agreeing to. I he's, felt Because seeing it's yeah. so matter of fact that he's supposed to understand, but he doesn't. And and a little bit later, in a later scene, one of the other hedonists briefly mentions the technology about how far ahead Latolka is in that field. Like, the rest of the world is trying to do it, but they can't quite figure it out, and Latolka mastered it. And they're not sharing it, but it's, but it exists within like a 30 second explanation and that's it. We don't get anything else. They don't hold our hands. They don't explain how it happens. They don't explain any other sci-fi aspects of the world. Like as far as we know, it's a hundred years in the future, whatever, or, or it's more commonplace than we think. So just this idea that we're kind of left, we have to both question it and accept it at the exact same time. It's like, well, that's just part of their world. And and it's almost like as the viewer, we accept the reality of it with him. We're all of a sudden like, he's like, all right, this is a thing. And we're sitting there watching like, all right, this is a thing. <laughs> like, we're just going to keep going with that. So I, I I really loved kind of that pacing. And obviously we've said it enough. Like, I don't like handholding that. I, I like that. They're like, here's the thing. No, we're not really going to tell you about it. Because why would we tell you about it? It exists in this world. Mm-hmm. We don't need to explain it to you. So I really... I really kind of loved that aspect and the fact that it's in a quote unquote third world country, you know, that like they don't know a lot about anyway. It's I thought it was fascinating. But they give you enough like so when you see the resort, they've got barbed wire on the perimeter. They've got guards mandating who can come in and out. And it seems very rural. But later on in the movie, during the crazy, reckless, abandoned excess, you know, these uh, you know, Gabby, Mia Goth character, and James and her husband and, and all of their really rich cohorts that have been in on this, you know, clone deaths and just running amok. Mm-hmm. They take people hostage in a very rich, like, th- these are well-off yeah. people, like, Latolkin people. Like, when they're shooting yeah. people down in the house in a rich mansion is giving you're so caught up in what's happening and these rich people literally going crazy and and breaking in and killing people that you're not even thinking about how this is Latolkin culture. 
you like the the initial yeah. perception that it's it's you know a rural third world country when clearly they've got these you know ambassadors and diplomats and like they're well off we're just only seeing a fraction because that's what they want to see that's what they want their tourists to see but see i took that as corruption that they were going to that house and those people because they were the ones who were really making the money off of their doppelgangers being created and killed hmm. and so like they were trying to get revenge on the people who originally made them go through that um to a absolutely insane nth degree but you're right it, it uh, but i mean that we don't know really you don't know you everything that we're going off of is what they're telling james and then you find out later that they're not reliable yeah. narrators they are <laughs> no. purposely targeting james for specific yeah. reasons um so you don't know about the country because ultimately it's not about the country and it's not about the cloning it's mm -hmm. about taking down this specific character and his ego um you know, I don't even think it's about the hedonism. You know, they're, they're rich and they're bored and they're, you know, have the free reign to do this. But ultimately, I think it's about him and having his his ego, very fragile ego, completely obliterated. But that was, I don't know if your interpretation of like the overarching theme is different. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was a combination of that and like jumping forward to the ending and um just destroying the concept of what you think reality is and not just reality though but human nature and the people around us and there's this insanely sobering scene at the very end after we've gone through all this that they share a shuttle to the airport like after everything that's happened and they just talk about going home Nothing about what happened. No, oh my God, wasn't that crazy? I can't believe we did that. Literally just going back to work, going to the family, going to redecorate, I think was one of the conversations. But it's him sitting there and being like, what? Yeah. Like, so you're just going to be regular people now? Like after that has happened and then going to the airport and looking around and being like, yeah, what's going on with all these people? Like, are they equally insane? Is everyone I look at potentially a hedonistic sociopath? <laughs> or, like, what is the world even for him? Like, is there any truth? Does he have any concept of what's going on? Like, brutal. Yeah, I um, I, I like the ending because this is jumping ahead, but I'll, I'll, I'll take it back. I like the ending because it felt like with the character James that he, it seemed like he couldn't go back to his regular type of life. And then it just also seemed to like, I know that like with that, those group of friends after the terror <laughs> they spread on that Island, it was like, they, yeah. Like John said, they want to go back to like their regular lives and stuff like that. It kind of seemed like a little bit of entitlement, you know, they come out there, oh, yeah. do whatever they want to do. And then they just go back home. Like it's nothing like see you next year, <laughs> you yep, know, but precisely. clearly with James, like he, yeah, he couldn't experience that. And like, honestly, I wasn't really catching that until this is why I'm glad that we're talking about it because I felt like I, I wasn't able to catch it because even with you guys talking about like the themes, honestly, I was just getting blood, sex and urine and nipples, scary nipples, <laughs> you know, so I was, really long nipples. Yeah, like I'm scared. But like now it's like that's what I'm saying, like even with some of the lines that's in there, it's just like that. That's pretty profound. But yeah, see, now I have to go back. I have to rewatch it with a new lens. But yeah. 
Just wanted to say Yeah, that. I think there's, I think it's throwing so much at you. So much mm-hmm. at you. Just like visually and like that, that it is, it, it does help to have a rewatch because, you know, I feel like you're like James by the end of it. At the end of the movie, he's just shell-shocked. Yeah. But for him, and I think this is, you know, what Brandon Cronenberg does well, because I was thinking about Brandon Cronenberg doing body horror versus his father doing body horror and how very different they are. But I feel like so far, Brandon Cronenberg's has been a lot about identity um, and Mm -hmm. kind of using body horror as a means to kind of play with what identity is. And for me, Infinity Pool is about James's identity and how that gets completely ripped away. He thought he was one of them. um, And then you realize he's really just, you know, fragile aspiring writer writing the coattails of you know his wife and his his father-in-law and so you know infinity pool to me which you know i'm gonna ask throw this back to you after i kind of give my theory but you know infinity pool what there is there's a shot of an infinity pool in the movie but what is infinity pool Mm -hmm. is infinity pool the cloning process or is it kind of hearkening or like touching on how you don't really see the edges. And by the end of this movie, he doesn't really know mm-hmm. where he begins and ends. So I don't know. What was your kind of theory by the end of it? Of what the- That was my interpretation. Yeah. I was thinking more that concept of like, he's uh, his world used to be a swimming pool. Right. And now all of a sudden the edges are gone. And like what separates the, the pool from the horizon and like where, what is his world even anymore? And not just, and the fact that it was, his world was completely upturned by six people, six people. When I originally saw the trailer, I thought there was going to be some sort of like an eyes wide shut type thing. Like, oh, there's this underground secret society with all these rich people Mm. doing messed up stuff. Like, no, it was just six people who are exploiting a legal loophole that they can afford. Like, it wasn't this massive subculture. It's just like, no, it was just a few people who got bored and decided to mess around and they wanted someone to play with. Yeah. It was just like, oh, my God. Which, to me, is also even scarier. Like, big conspiracies aren't scary to me because largely I I think a lot of them are just ridiculous. It's the small. It's what small groups of people are capable of that's terrifying. That because there's so many, there's less limits because the scope is so much smaller. They're like, no, let's, we're going to go on vacation and pick someone to mess with. Mm. And we're in a place where we can do whatever we want. We can go purge. It does not matter because we will just go to an ATM. Mm. And I thought that was pretty terrifying. Yeah. It might also represent the number of people who actually read his book too. (laughs) So it's even scarier. Yeah. I I feel like the, the same way again, just after talking to you guys, it seemed like it was, you know, with the group of people who he was hanging out with, kind of like John already said, like they could do whatever they want type of thing. But then also it's kind of like, I keep on going back to like the entitlement because mm-hmm. again, with like Megan mentioned how, like with James, like he, he thought that he was one of them, you know, so he was getting a little bit crazy. 
I don't know if you guys remember like that breakfast scene when he was just spitting out what was it jam or blueberries or something. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, they were just being just disgusting. Yeah, and yes, it's just kind of like, why berries. would you do? And then clearly nobody was telling them to stop because it's just like they have money and it's just like it is what it is type of thing. And you know, no one wanted to fight. They just kind of just left. So there was that. But then clearly <laughs> things went quote unquote too far, especially for James when he realized who he was urinating on himself. So yeah, it's just it's very. Uh, it's not funny. I'm sorry. I would never want to like do that to myself or anyone. But but there is, it is there funny. is humor in it. I'm sorry. So, but yeah. urinating on yourself is just a funny sentence. Yeah, it does. <laughs> okay. I mean, if we could clone ourselves, you know, say that was a real thing, who would clone? Like, who would urinate on themselves? You know. But no, it's just I'm just a little bit. Um, I feel like I'm I'm like skipping around. But I guess what I'm just trying to say is I keep on going back to the entitlement, and it just seemed like that was it for. For that, it just seems like that, like the money was an infinity for them. The situation, them keep on coming back to the island every single year for their vacation just to torture people. And then even going back to like um, Mia Goss' character, she said this, you know, about James that, you know, at first, you know, they wanted to like see if they can get him in trouble. But he got him, got his own self in trouble because yeah. she felt like he was that stupid. And it was just kind of like, I mean, you know, <laughs> he was doing some dumb things. So I don't know. It's just, I feel like I kind of just... I'm just repeating what you both already said. So yeah, you yeah. added context to it. No, I think you did. I thought that was a good answer. Um, but speaking of, you know, Mia Goth and Alexander Skarsgård, I mean, there there's multiple performances, but those two are the leads. They're the centerpieces of this movie. Everybody else is just kind of supporting this. Uh, and I feel like we'd be remiss to not kind of discuss just how I feel like brave both of them are. Uh, as far as performances mm -hmm. go, I mean, Alexander Skarsgård in this movie is playing a character who is just, he thinks he's hot shit, you know, he's, he's a big shot. He's with his affluent wife enjoying her money and they're so bored by their time at this all-inclusive resort. Um, and then one, one fan derails everything. And before he knows it, he's going along with whatever she says, whatever. From the moment mm -hmm. she gives him a hand job on their beach excursion, <laughs> he's doing drugs. He's in participating in orgies. He's, he's whatever they say he does. Um, right up until the point where he's breastfeeding on her after killing himself. So... I was curious what you thought. Uh, well, first and foremost, I think the sentence, oh, as soon as he gets a hand job, he's doing whatever she wants. I'm like, if that's not high school, I don't know what is. Uh... <laughs> Please tell me about your high school experience, John. <laughs> no, I think we, I think I've already talked too much about it. Um, but yeah, yeah pool. Th which was t which was totally unexpected. Which we I I can't remember. I think we, we left it in the episode when I talked about Infinity Pool that the difference between the NC-17 version and the rated R version that appeared in theaters was when she gives him a hand job against the tree. Um, in the rated R version, we just see, like, semen hit the rocks to know that there's yes, completion. You... But evidently, the NC-17 movie, you see the hand job. So. I've seen... It's like, wow, that was bold. I, I saw the... They they played the unrated cut at Sundance. So I saw both because I, like I said, I revisited, I rented it to, to prepare for this. So I can tell you that I didn't see any difference except they cut out his erect penis ejaculating. 
And there is another erect penis in an orgy sequence later that I don't see. So, like, they oh. kind of trim up that oh. that orgy scene. Otherwise, which is a whole other fascinating conversation to have, um, which we'll get to, <laughs> about how there there's very graphic violence that makes it in. But but erect penises, nah, that's pushing the envelope. Yeah, people couldn't you, But again, I wanted to talk about, I wanted, before we get there, Mia Gothen. Alexander Skarsgård. Going back to what you said about his character from the start, though, that's not how I perceived him. You said, like, as being, like, an entitled rich guy, just bored with life or whatever. I I saw him being, like, really self-conscious to start. Like, he looked uncomfortable. Uh, and so maybe that's what, I, like, I saw discomfort instead of boredom. Like, he didn't like being there. Like, maybe he didn't feel like he belonged there. Like, he's there with his rich wife. He doesn't really want to talk about like how his writing career is going. Um, but then like this fan pops up and like, but that's so like, that's the, that that's like the, the, the branch for him to grasp onto, to like pull himself out and into this world where it's like, Ooh, I do belong. Like here's these rich people who like me, who have read my book, who like my book. Like maybe there is some value like to me, but it doesn't take very much for him to go from not feeling like he belongs in a place to being super conceited and feeling like he is. It's almost like um, it's almost like one of those like '90s high school movies where they make they 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 mess almost like Carrie esque or whatever. Like you make someone believe that they're popular only to turn around and laugh at them. It's almost that. Like on just a more deranged level, like we're we're gonna make you think you're one of the cool kids, and then like yank the carpet out from under you because he totally embraces it really really quickly, and then is completely shattered, yeah, <laughs> and broken as a human being. Maybe this is a reach, but I kind of felt like he like targeted James targeted his wife. You know, I thought that maybe he thought that that could help out his career. I, I totally got, I totally bought that aspect yeah. too. He just, he bought his way into it because her dad was a publisher mm -hmm. and maybe like that was just his angle for anyone to even publish his book in the first place. Yeah. But clearly it didn't See, work that out. See, that to me is entitlement. That's not discomfort. He, he wanted that. Oh no. Yeah. Felt... It's still entitlement, but he just looked uncomfortable in his own skin to me. Like there's even a scene early on where they're leaving the hotel and I thought they were literally leaving the hotel because like he looks back over his shoulder at it. And at first I thought he was just looking like he was looking back at someone, but he was looking back at like where they came from, almost like like he doesn't even really understand why he is where he is, which could obviously is just totally my interpretation of things. Um but I think it's it's it, he Obviously, like his privilege and and everything else that he's bought his way into or whatever, but I think it's him like feeling that privilege, like he deserves that privilege or something else, and that he didn't con his way into it, which he did. But thoughts on performances? Round of applause all around. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. How the hell do you get actors to do this movie? Like it's crazy. It... It's freaking bizarre across the board, and someone like like Mia Goth and Alexander Skarsgård like where they're at in their careers as I would think that they're both I mean Alexander Skarsgård for sure but Mia Goth I have to consider as an in in uh like an A-tiered actress in Hollywood 
And they went for this, this bizarre, surrealistic body horror <laughs> from a Cronenberg, like, which is, you know, the best. Like, that's so cool. But it's like, whoa. Yeah. Like, that's bold in a lot of different ways. And yeah, and I thought, it, I thought everyone's performances. I love the detective. Like, just being this local who's a little bit bored and a little bit annoyed with these tourists, but he's like, all right, just pay me the money. Here's the deal. Sign the papers. Let's get on with the rest of our lives. I like the performances. I am I think it's so cool that they decided to take a role like this. And I think that yeah. they, you know, they wanted to probably, like, challenge themselves um, with it. It's probably obviously something that's different. And, you know, we I know we all can agree, like, Brandon Cronenberg, he does have, like, a particular style. And he does, you know, he has talent. And I know that must be, like, hard being in his position because people probably think that he's probably just handed stuff because of who his he's dad royalty. is. Yeah. yeah, so which may, maybe is part of the themes to it anyway. Yeah, maybe which, he is. Maybe he's James. That's what I was like feeling with that, you know. Um, but I don't know. I don't really know, and I know not saying that you guys know him. Not saying that he lives next door to you, but I don't really know too much about him, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I will add that Skarsgård mentioned taking this role because he's actually very good friends with Andrea Riseborough who told him she had an incredible experience with Cronenberg on Possessor. So thanks to her that uh, kind of connected the two, um, which is great because then we get marketing where, um, you know, Mia Goth is trotting him around on a leash and everybody's losing their minds. So (laughs) well played, everybody. Um, Favorite scene or moment of the movie? I will tell you that uh, Mia Goth was asked this question at the uh, Sundance premiere, and her favorite scene involves sitting on a car hood, flinging chicken wings, um, and taunting. (laughs) So judging by John's vehement nod, that is also his favorite. Yup, without a doubt. Also the funniest scene in the movie. Uh, That was the humor. That got... That that scene hit me in part in feels that were so uncomfortable mm-hmm. that I was like, I, I almost just started like clapping in the theater. Like I was laughing, but the moment and it is it is such a golden moment of when she acknowledges I've never read your book. <sighs> He's walking ahead of her. He's defeated. There's like, he's just almost on like a death march and head down. The moment she admits that he pauses and turns around of everything that's happened to him up to that point. That is the worst thing that's ever happened to him. That this woman hadn't read his book, that she wasn't a fan, no matter what else torment and torture he'd endured that cut to the core of him more than anything else that it destroyed his ego on top of it and then she reads the reviews (laughs) and mocks him was like oh oh my god that is so it was so painful to watch like i couldn't feel i didn't feel anything but like empathy for this guy where i'm like i don't want anyone to read my itunes reviews (laughs) like that would suck that would be terrible to listen to like the worst reviews of your stuff out there. Which like that would just be brutal. Which is why I have 
my interpretation being that he was very egocentric and entitled to begin with, because that kind of destruction doesn't happen if you have some level of humility to you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still... Like everything that he endured, and that's the, the breaking yeah. straw there, which says a lot about him. But I feel like the only reason he was willing... I feel like the only reason he was willing to endure it in the first place, though, is because he thought she was a fan. Like, he finally found a fan. He finally found validation. Well, yeah, but I think that's also rich people boredom. Well, well yeah, that's that doesn't help him. <laughs> but, like, that scene itself was just, oh, Mia Goth is just tormenting him and mocking him. It was so freaking brutal to watch yeah. that it was funny it's and heartbreaking just the his reaction to it it's just sunken just pure defeat worse than anything else that has happened to him i um yeah i that part when she said that she didn't read his book like i was heartbroken <laughs> for him like i oh. literally went <gasps> you know <laughs> insult to injury <laughs> yeah Gosh. but one of yeah. my uh, favorite scenes, uh, just real quick. Well, I'll give two because I'm, I'm spicy. The, I actually love the opening. I Do love it. the fact that where it's dark and then they open up the blinds and they reveal like that beautiful mm. view. And it's just like, ah, oh, to be on vacation, you know? So I really love that one because, you know, I thought it was going to be more, again, just going back to like body horror, which it was, but it, you know, that it different went kind, a different yeah. way. Yeah. And then um, another part I really like is right after he like beats up his, his clone, he it's like he has this moment of like clarity or something. So then he goes back to his room and he hid his passport, which it was just like, what? Like, I guess I, I don't know. If, I guess maybe I might have missed it in something. But then the fact that he just had that moment and then he like dipped. But they found him, you know, they found him really fast. So it's just kind of like I like like the pacing of that one and how he like really was trying to get out of there. But they found him. So. Yeah, I, I kind of figured he'd hidden his passport the whole time. I didn't think anyone had taken it or he misplaced it. I thought he. I thought he intentionally was saying he couldn't find it so he could stay and play with his rich friends. Oh, well. So, yeah, the reveal was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense to me. We touched on it earlier, but basically the only noticeable difference uh, between unrated and rated is a couple of, couple of penises. But, uh, you know, it struck me when watching the rated, the R-rated cut is like something that he did really well in Possessor and that carried over is just how brutal that violence can get. You know, when the, the very first time his clone, like his first clone gets killed, the stabbing, it's like, it's so kind of explicit. You see that blade going in over mm -hmm. and over and it's, it's mm -hmm. brutal. Um, and he does violence so well. So it's kind of fascinating that that's what gets, gets through. Um, but I also don't know if I'm the only one who was like, Jesus, that's visceral. Or if you had a reaction to the violence. I mean, because... My wife definitely did. She did not like that. But the reason she didn't like that is because there was a kid involved in the scene. Mm. Like, And no matter how you did the cuts, the kid is still covered in blood at some point. And, like, who knows what kind of strange, like, trauma that that can create, even amongst an actor who's like, it's fake. It's like, yeah, but I'm still miming, stabbing someone to death, covered in blood, whatever. Mm -hmm. So, like, there was that visceral... <laughs> what as I totally dismiss my wife's feelings about children and violence um but yeah there was i was surprised how brutal the stabbing was that scene in particular more than anything else was just like whoa they're 
he's just going to town like right now. So I was I was definitely surprised by that. I do like how, you know, violent it is, how mean it is, but I kind of expect it because even thinking yeah. about Possessor, because yeah. that opening scene, like, it's pretty bloody, oh, pretty brutal. mean. So, yeah, so I kind of expect that, that that was going to happen or that's how it was going to be. Yeah, I uh, I just am impressed that he does it. Because, so, like, we watch horror. We see violence all the time, but there's something about the way that he films it that is like, oh, you, oh, I, I feel sympathy pains. That's, like, that's harsh. Um, so bravo, but also I don't know what it says about us as a society where the, or not even us, but like the MPAA where they're like, Hey, uh, we have a problem with these two penises, but the rest, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm a little surprised by that, honestly, because, and, and I think that that scene felt so much more visceral because of the emotion that was attached to it, because it's the child avenging his father's death. That is just like sheepish slowly walking up doesn't want to grab the knife he's in dirty clothes he's clearly poor like and then just carves into the guy and is like led away covered in blood and it's like yeah that's i mean that's its own that's almost its own like indemnification of of the mpaa and society (laughs) it's like oh that's what you had a problem with but you're okay with this (laughs) this child butchering this man like what? Um, any final thoughts on the movie? Uh, what we if we left anything off uh, the table? I mean, besides the fact that there's what? How long is the hallucination, drug filled sex orgy? Like twenty minutes long. <laughs> it felt very long. Yeah. <laughs> With strange, growing like ex- like go go gadget nipples yeah. involved. And, and what was was it peanut? But it like it was all. Thick. I don't know. Like it was a lot. It was just there was a lot of stuff happening. I mean, but you know, yeah, psychedelics while doing an orgy, bad plan. Just insanity. Yeah. I and and I thought it ended great. I I did love the ending shot of him going back to the abandoned resort or empty resort, and then just sitting in the rain, just soaked. Like he doesn't he has no concept of of place or identity anymore like it's been stripped from him which i also appreciate that he didn't just like buy into what was going on like oh this is my life now like if anything like that's his salvation despite everything that he's done in the rest of the movie Mm -hmm. like he has salvation in the fact that he does still have humanity because he can't grasp what he was capable of and like what actually happened and what other people were capable of in the first place. And maybe it's also that concept of we all like the, we all want to think we would run towards danger. Someone yells help that you go help. Someone yells fire, you go help, whatever. But when you're actually faced with it, would you, or would you run the other direction? So maybe he never thought he was the sort of person who would partake in multiple murder, drug fill or fueled sex orgies before peeing on his own doppelganger orchestrating this strange mass execution of all their doppelgangers being shot in the leg like all these other things he's like oh wow it was really easy for me to be involved in all this (laughs) like what's that say about me as a person yeah i thought i don't know it was so bizarre it was so bizarre in such a in such a really great way though any final thoughts xena anything we missed 
Um, it's insanity. So that's just my final <laughs> thoughts with it. And I, I will definitely like rewatch it. I did enjoy watching it. I just felt lost. And, um, but you know, since we had like a talk and stuff, I think have a little more clarity. This is definitely a second watch sort of movie. Cause I don't think it's like barbarian where your suspense is gone mm-hmm. in the second movie, because I don't think suspense is necessarily what this movie needed or needs to be enjoyed, but I think rewatching it and actually seeing the reactions and the the depths that people are willing to go to and the relationships and stuff and what happens to his relationship, how he's willing to just throw it away mm-hmm. um, for what's going on. I did, I did think I was wondering how many urns were going to show up. I was waiting for the scene where all of a sudden like he wakes up and he sees like seven urns and he's like, because my wife and I talked about that a lot too, like. Could you live with the idea that you're a doppelganger? Like you were just created in a lab, but you have mm-hmm. all your memories implanted in you. Mm. Sarah, did we talk about that part? Like the, the main concept is if you commit a crime on this island, you die. And the only way to get around it is they build a doppelganger from the ground up and out, out of goo, but they implant you with all your memories, your doppelganger with all your memories. So you remember committing the crimes before you die. And then the idea of, but what if you are the doppelganger and at some point you got switched? Like, would you know, would it matter? And that's a mind effort. That could be the sequel. Oh yeah, totally. Like some, yeah, he finds out that maybe he wasn't real. I don't know. Uh, my final thought is that James' wife was a saint and nobody deserved her. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, no, she put up with a lot for yeah. a woman who was basically just being presented as a trophy wife. It was like, wow. She, she was, was sweet, too. She was really sweet. And she just wanted them to get out of there and, like, be safe and... <sighs> didn't work out yeah. well. I mean, I think it worked out fine for her. She bounced, but yeah, oh, I man. as yeah, she deserved to get out. So good. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, that's, that's a, uh, I think that does it. Yeah, I think so. So if you haven't seen infinity pool, I still think you get to, I don't know why you listen to this. I thanks for listening to it. Go watch it now. I'm I'm not I'm guilty of doing the same thing with other podcasts. I've listened to movie breakdowns before I'd seen the movies and still enjoy it. Go watch it. Because, you know, it's good. It's good. Support horror. And that's Bloody Disgusting Podcast for this week, everyone. If you'd like to read more from Meg and check out her reviews, bloodydisgusting.com and on Twitter at Haunted Meg. Zena can be found on her own website, realqueenofhorror.com, and the YouTube channel the same name, or at lovely Zena on Twitter. And you can hear me on my weekly horror narration podcast creepy. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BeDisgustingPod or drop us an email at BeDisgustingPodcast at gmail.com. So for this week, I'm John. I'm Megan. I'm Zena. Grab some popcorn, cozy up on the couch, watch something you love. Just make sure it's something bloody. Yeah. <laughs>